Good morning. It is great to be together again to worship God and to spend time getting into the Bible. And um, I want to take the opportunity to wish every single father uh, watching and tuning in today a happy Father's Day. I hope that you have a great day. It's special. Uh, for those of us in Trinidad, we can't really go uh, many places, but we can have an opportunity to spend some great time at home with our families, you know. Um, as, we, as we journey onward uh, from our spiritual formation lessons, uh, we are about to venture into the spiritual disciplines, uh, which are essential, I believe, for us to completely embrace what is spiritual formation. Uh, you know, I've, I've been reading uh, a couple books, one that I would have read uh, several years ago and one uh, that I'm, I'm reading now. Uh, and the, the first book is titled entitled Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney, uh, a good text, as well as Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. And lots of the concepts uh, that will be shared today would have would have come from from these books. Uh, so without further ado, let us go before our Father in Heaven in prayer as we prepare ourselves for this journey uh, through the spiritual disciplines. Our great Almighty God, we come before you grateful for your love, your mercy, your grace, your kingdom, and your many, many blessings, Father. We pray that as we uh, continue on this journey of spiritual formation, that we will, we will embrace your word, God. We will embrace the disciplines that you want to teach us to become the men and women we need to be for you. And we want to be for you. We long to be for you, God. And I pray that we're inspired and encouraged and renewed in our zeal uh, to put into practice the things that we will learn. So indeed, we will be formed into uh, the glory that you want us to be for you so that in all things, your name is glorified. God, uh, be with us as we spend this time in this true son's holy and precious name. I pray all these things. Amen. Amen. You know, the spiritual disciplines, as the second book suggests, is, is something that we should, should celebrate. We need to celebrate that thing that is called discipline. You know, usually discipline doesn't feel like something we should celebrate. You know, by its very definition, if you, 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 you look at different dictionaries or online, it suggests the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. You know, with that kind of definition, you know, we, we, we could watch discipline in, 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 a, in a different light. But I pray today that as we get into discipline, that we are inspired to um, embrace what is spiritual discipline to draw us nearer to God. You know, spiritual disciplines, I believe, are a doorway to spiritual formation. It's a doorway to experience a deeper and closer walk with God. It is said that in today's society, the curse of our age or the biggest challenge that we face as human beings is superficiality. That hollowness, that lack of depth that pervades many of us in all walks of life. 
you know, and the, the, the doctrine, it would seem, of instant gratification or instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem that prevents people from going deep and making the extra effort because we want to see things happen right away. You know, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or a greater number of gifted people, but for deep people. The disciplines of the spiritual life call us to move beyond the surface living and to start moving into life of depth. Are you with me right here? They invite us to explore what are the, the, in, the internal caverns, if you will, of the spiritual realm. And they urge us to answer to a hollow world and say to the hollow world that we will be people of depth. Are you with me? You know, we must not be led to believe that spiritual disciplines are only for spiritual giants. You know, far from it, I believe that God intends the disciplines of the spiritual life to be for ordinary human beings. People like you and me, people who have jobs, people who care for their children, people who wash dishes, who, may, who mow lawns, who, who, who play football, you know, normal people. Neither should we think that the spiritual disciplines are some, you know, a dull drudgery of, of things that we need to obey that removes joy from our lives and our relationship with God. You know, I believe that joy is the keynote and needs to be the keynote of all the disciplines that we will, uh, will, will explore over the next few weeks. You know, the purpose of the disciplines I believe is to free us from things like self-interest and fear so that we can liberate our spirits from all the things that may weigh us down and prevent us from embracing the kinds of relationship with God that we want to have. You know, it is important to appreciate that the disciplines are not difficult. We need to be, we, 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 we don't need to be um, well advanced in, in matters of theology to practice these disciplines. And I believe that young Christians and, and, you know, people for that matter who have yet to turn to God, who have yet to even have a relationship with God, can practice these disciplines as well. You know, the primary requirement for spiritual discipline is a longing after God. You know, Psalm 42 verses 1 to 2, it says, and this is a very familiar passage of scripture, it says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And that passage just inspires you. It calls you to, to, to thirst for God, to have a longing for God. And I believe that if this is not what we have in our hearts today, we need to pray to have such a longing for God. And then the spiritual disciplines will be so, so much easier ushered into our lives. You know, perhaps somewhere in the subterranean chambers of your life, you have heard the call to be deeper. You have, call, you have heard the call to, 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 to want fuller living. You know, you have become wary of, of shallow experiences, you know, where, where, where sometimes, you know, somebody asks you how you're going and, and, and you just say good. But 
you know, there are some other things that are going on in your heart and you're not really expressing the depth of where you are or what you feel in your life. Have you, have you ever gone through that? You know, and even now and then, you may have caught glimpses and hints of something more in your relationship with God that, 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 that you have known or inwardly you long to know because you want to get deeper in your relationship with God. Do you feel that way sometimes? And we may long for this depth and the transformation that brings it to reality in our walk with God. But sometimes getting that depth theme seems so elusive and transient as best. You know, some days you start out hot and sweaty and I'm going to work on this, this pursuit of depth in my relationship with God. And then sometimes, you know, life and, it, life and its troubles, it just causes that desire and that zeal to dissipate. You know, we may be knocking on that door of transformation and we can't seem to get in. You know, but as Romans chapter 7 uh, says to us in, at, the, at, at the end of the passage in, in, in verses 14 to 25, and I'll just read that last bit. It says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because God is able to deliver us and he has given us the tools to be delivered. Are you with me right here? You know, God opens the door. The spiritual disciplines that he provides opens the door of transformation. And you know, we can think that this transformation may be achieved by our own powers of will and determination. And we have to realize that inner righteousness and that pursuit of death uh, with God is a gift from God to be graciously received. The need uh, to change within us is God's work. God is the one who is able to change us internally all the way through to the outside. And that's a work that God is able to do. You know, the demand is for an inside job. <laughs> and only God can do the work from the inside. Reminds me of a movie called The Inside Man. You know, this guy had to go uh, get some stuff in a bank. And I remember him um, telling the people, telling the police or telling someone, you know, um, I'm going to, to, to walk out of here three days from now. When I'm good and ready. And you know that guy robbed the bank from the inside out. Probably a bad example. Robbing a bank is not a good thing. But he did it from the inside out. And it's the same way that God intends to, to, to work from the inside of us. To change us through and all the way through. You know we cannot attain or earn this righteousness of the kingdom of God. You know God gives it to us as a grace that is given. Are you with me? You know, Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 to 8, and I, I chose to, to look at the message version of this passage because I believe it, it outlines what I've just said. It says um, in, in verses 7 to 8 of Galatians chapter 6, it says, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. When a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God, Harvest a crop of weeds and he will have to, to show uh, for his life. All he'll have to show for his life, sorry, is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of, re of real life, eternal life. You know, Paul's analogy right here is very instructive. You know, a farmer 
is helpless to grow grain. And all he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground. He plants the seeds. He waters the plants. And then the natural forces of the earth will take over and up comes the grain. You know, this is the way in which the spiritual disciplines will work. They are a way of sowing to the spirit. The disciplines of God, uh, the disciplines are God's way of, of getting us into the ground. And when he puts us there, there he can work with us and there he can transform us. And by themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They only get us to a place where something can be done. Then God steps in, the inside man, and that inner righteousness we seek, we will see because God has intervened. You know, God, I believe, has ordained the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that we will be looking at, as a means by which we place ourselves in a place where he can transform us. Doesn't that inspire you? And today we're going to be looking at, uh, hopefully, uh, two uh, different disciplines. The first of which is the discipline of meditation. Meditation. You know, in our society, Satan, our adversary, tends to, 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 to major in three areas of distraction. I would say they are noise, hurry, (laughs) and crowds. You with me right here? And if he can keep us engaged in, 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 in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied because he would think, you know, they're so busy chasing everything else, they wouldn't have time and room to meditate on God and his word to make changes. You know, one psychiatrist, a guy called Carl Jung, once remarked, Hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. (laughs) That's a deep concept, right? You know, if we hope to move beyond the superficialities of our lives and our culture, we must be willing to go down into into the recreating silences of our lives and enter into into the inner world of, of contemplation. And we should, without shame, enroll as students and apprentices in the school of what is called contemplation and even contemplative prayer. You know, there's much in the scriptures uh, that helps us to appreciate that, you know, meditation is embedded deeply within God's expectation. You know, the Bible uses two different Hebrew words to convey the idea of meditation. And together, they are used some 58 times in the Bible. And I'll express what they mean in the English. You know, these words have various meanings in English. And some of these these meanings are as follows. You know, it means, both words mean uh, listening to God's word. Or reflecting on God's works. Or rehearsing God's deeds. Or ruminating on God's law and, 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 and very similar um, very similar explanations or meanings like these, uh, these two Hebrew words have. You know, in each case, uh, there is a stress upon changing behavior as a result of an encounter with God. 
So through meditation, we are able to see changed behavior because we are now encountering with God in a deeper way that allows us to change. You know, repentance and obedience, I must mention here, are essential features in any biblical understanding of meditation. You know, let's look at a couple of Psalms in, in, in Psalm 119, and you could, you could jot this down, Psalm 119, verses 97, 101, and 102. The Bible says, oh, how I, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. You know, that's inspiring. You know, even more passages within the Bible helps us to appreciate that it's, 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 it's a continual focus on obedience and faithfulness that most clearly distinguishes what Christian meditation is all about. You know, I'll share another passage in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, uh, where the Bible just, just continues to prove to us uh, that, that those who have gone before have spent time meditating on God's word. He said, now Isaac, in, in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, now Isaac had come from Ber Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one, one evening to meditate. So this guy actually went out into the field to meditate. You know, when he, 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 he finished work, and in the evening he went to spend some time meditating. In Psalm 63 and verse 6, uh, the psalmist says, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. So, you know, these are times of settlement. These are times that are, are, are set aside where, where in both cases, in one in the evening and one through the watches of the night, they decide to spend time meditating on God and his word and his communication to them. You know, the psalms virtually sing of the meditations of the people of God upon the law of God. Psalm 119 and verse 148, it says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Now, let me tell you, is that, is that what you're, you're, you, you, you normally feel to do through the watches of the night? Is that, is, does that describe your relationship with God right now? You know, that desire throughout the night to meditate on God's promises. Or are we lying down in our bed with all the worries of this life and studying and, 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 and is the worries that keeping us awake? Are you meditating on the promises of God? You know, the psalm that introduces the entire book of Psalms calls people to emulate what is described as the blessed man. And in Psalm uh, chapter 1 in, in verse 2, it says, um, the blessed man, it says, who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That's a blessed man. The Bible is helping us to appreciate that people who meditate on God's law are people who are blessed. You know, Jeremiah, a very inspiring passage of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. You know, Jeremiah discovered the word of God uh, to be a burning fire. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, he says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word in, is in my heart like a fire, 
a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, these were people who were close to God. God spoke to them not because uh, they had special abilities, but because they were willing to listen to him. You know, Jesus as well, in the midst of an exceedingly busy ministry, he made a habit of withdrawing to a lonely place in Matthew chapter 14. You know, and he did it uh, not just to get away from people, right? <laughs> but so that he could be with God. What, what, what did Jesus do time after time in those deserted hills? He went to be with God. He sought out his heavenly father. He listened to him. He communed with him. And he calls us to do the very same thing. You know, meditation must involve hearing and obeying the word of God. You know, Christian meditation is, involves hearing and obeying God's word. And it's, it's very simple. It's hearing God's voice and obeying his word. It involves no hidden mysteries, no secret mantras, no mental gymnastics, no esoteric flights into the cosmic consciousness. <laughs> Are you with me right here? You know, Moses learned how to hear God's voice and obey his word. In fact, scripture says that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man who speaks to his friend. You know, there was a sense of an intimate relationship, a relationship of communion that, that Moses had with God. And even in the book of Acts in the New Testament, we see a resurrected Jesus through the Holy Spirit teaching and guiding his children. That would lead uh, Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8, where Philip received direction from God and immediately responded to God's glory. That's such communion, such relationship. You know, uh, he revealed his, his messiahship to Paul in Acts chapter 9 and many other things in the book of Acts. We see over and over again, God's people learning to live on the basis of hearing God's voice and responding to his word in obedience. Are you with me right here? And this forms for us the biblical foundation for meditation. And this is wonderful news. Wonderful news. You know, Jesus continues to speak to his people even today. He's resurrected and he is still at work in our world. You know, Jesus is not idle. He's, he's, he's not developed laryngitis. He hasn't stopped speaking as he's not here physically with us. He is alive. He is among us as our priest to forgive us and as our prophet to teach us, and as our king to rule us, and as our shepherd to guide us. You know, I believe that meditation has great purpose. And if you look at it, it's a, it allows us to have or, or to build a familiar friendship with Jesus. A familiar friendship with Jesus. You know, Revelation chapter 3, you know, I believe this passage in, in, in verse 20 speaks volumes about the way God uh, wants to, to pursue us. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, a passage that uh, was originally penned for the believers. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And you know this passage. It says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, as I shared, you know, this was, this was a pen for believers at that time. You know, Jesus was saying, you know what? I, I want to come in and eat with you. You know, when somebody said they want to come and eat with you. If somebody ain't like it, they ain't going to eat by you. They don't want to spend no time sharing a meal with you. When God says, you know, I long, I, I look forward, I want to, you knock on that door, I come in and I eat in with you. You know, as disciples, we need to know how very much God longs to eat with us, to commune with us, to have that inward fellowship of this kind that will serve to transform our inner personality. You know, meditation has its misconceptions in society. You know, in reality, there are two ideas that exist when we hear the word meditation. Uh, there's there's an, an Eastern meditation from Eastern religions, and then there's Christian meditation. I'll share a little bit about both. You know, Eastern meditation is an attempt to empty the mind, right? So you're just trying to get the mind clear. You ain't putting nothing in there. You want to get it empty. You don't want to be thinking about nothing. That's, that's Eastern meditation. Christian meditation is an attempt to fill the mind. The two concepts slightly different, right? Are, are you with me right here? You know, in Eastern religion meditation, there's an escaping from the miserable wheel of existence. There is no God to be attached or to hear from. It's a complete uh, detachment from reality. And detachment is the final goal of Eastern religion meditation. However, Christian meditation goes far beyond the, note, the notion of, 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 of detachment. There is detachment only to the point to, to, to provide a Sabbath of contemplation, if you will. Just making space and room to fill with God, godliness, and communications from God. Are you with me? We've got to be careful then, <laughs> thinking only in terms of detachment. As Jesus indicates, you know, there was this story in the Bible where he talks about, um, you know, uh, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he goes around and, and, and uh, you know, he, he, he goes from place to place. And then he, he brings seven other spirits more evil than himself. And they enter the man and they dwell there. And the state of the man in the end is worse than it was at the beginning. So we got to be careful about emptying ourselves and not filling it with something good. Are you with me right here? We've got to have detachment, but then we must have an attachment that is to God. And that's the, the difference between meditation where you cleanse yourself and you, 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 you just um, remove all, all thought about everything else and not fill it with God. You know, Christian meditation leads us to, to, to the inner wholeness that is necessary to give ourselves to God freely. It gives us an opportunity to hear from our God freely. You know, as disciples, we must desire the voice of God. Human beings seem to have a perpetual tendency to have somebody else talk to them on behalf of God. Let me, let me run that by you again. <laughs> Human beings, we always tend to want somebody else talk to us or talk to God, sorry, for them, yeah? 
we are content to, to get the message secondhand, right? You know, one of Israel's uh, fatal mistakes, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bring this out here. One of Israel's fatal mistakes was, was they insisted upon having a human king rather than having a theocratic rule of God. And in 1 Psalms, uh, 1 Samuel, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 8, in, in verse 7, you know, when, when you read it, you can, you can just detect a, a sadness of God. You know, the Bible says in that verse, it says, they have rejected me from being king over them. As you remember, uh, Israel, they, 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 they wanted somebody between. They wanted a king over them and they didn't want God. And that's how God felt. They felt God felt like, man, they didn't, want, they didn't want to deal with me directly. They want, they want a middleman. <laughs> they want a mediator. They want a go-between. You know, but God wants us to be, to, to be close to him. He doesn't want a, a, a human mediator. He wants to get personal. I mean, look at Revelation 3.20. He said, Man, I want to knock on the door. I want to come in and eat with you. It's me and you eating here. Yeah, but for many of us on earth, you know, we, we want that middleman. Many For many people, we want the pastor. Right? We want the pastor. The easy pastor. We deal with the pastor. And somehow, God is somewhere there and, it, and, and the pastor here. You know, for some people, it might be, and you know, in, in our context, it might be your, your, your family group leader. And that's the, that's the go-between. But you got to remember that God wants to have a relationship with you. Are you with me right here? And unfortunately, you know, sometimes our spiritual condition is handed over as someone else's responsibility because we don't we we we, we say we love God but, but somehow this man is more important this man's what he say and what he do and even the mistakes that he makes can affect your own walk with God because there's a middleman somewhere and when things don't go right we find Every intercessor, every middleman, everybody in the middle to blame. And we walk away from God and we say it's because of someone else. But God wants us to have a special relationship with him. And I pray that, 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 that we would recognize this in, 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 in our own lives if it exists. You know, the very history of religion. And don't, don't feel too bad. The very history of religion is a, is a story of an almost desperate scramble to have a king throughout history. So it's not just you. It's, it's, it's something that's been handed on from generation to generation. You know, it's a desperate scramble to have a king or to have a, a mediator, or to have a priest or to have a, a pastor, to have a go-between. And what happens is that in this way, we don't need to, to go to God ourselves. You get that? So when we have this middleman here, somehow, you know, we don't need to go to God ourselves. You know, sometimes when you go to the middleman, middleman then telling you, hey, you need to spend some time praying about this. Here are some scriptures for you to look at. But we need to seek God ourselves in a deeper way and not just rely on, on the words of some middleman to take us through. Are you with me right here? You know, such an approach has another effect. It saves us from the need to change. Because when you're in the presence of God, 
God is going to challenge you to change. Are you with me right here? When it's all about God, you know, I remember as a young Christian, you know, um, you know, when, when I had my challenges, you know, the brothers said to me, you know, uh, who you are when you are by yourself is who you really are. <laughs> and, and when you're by yourself, the only person who could see you is God. Are you with me right here? So it's important for us to ensure that we are not seeking that 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 middleman because it will it will it will hinder our change because our desire to change will depend on somebody else telling us, hey boy, you need to work on this, and hey boy, you need to work on that. And 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 your spiritual growth is gonna be highly dependent on some middleman. When God is there waiting to come in and eat and meet with you, and, and how do we do that? You know, God is able to reach you through that, that, uh, that opportunity to spend time in meditation. Yeah, I believe that's why meditation could be so threatening to people. Because they know that when you spend that time with God, he's going to convict you. Are you with me right here? When there's nobody else, you know, you can't get a man to tell you what your itching ears want to hear. When, 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 when you're meditating on God's word, there's, there's, there's no way out. It's, it's okay. This is what you're saying to me, God. Then I need to submit to this. Sometimes we want to go to a man and say, well, remember, I see this and I feel this. What you think? You say, well, boy, don't feel so bad about it. And we want the watered down version sometimes. We don't want what God really has to say to us to help us to, to, to bring forth that change that comes through meditating on, on, on God's word and seeking to obey it. Because it boldly calls us to enter into a space in the living presence of God for ourselves. For ourselves. You know, we've got to pursue that direct connection with God. Amen? You know, we got to prepare ourselves to meditate when we seek to meditate. Meditation is, is a focusing of the mind. And the truth is, we will learn to meditate through meditation. It's, it's one of those <laughs> on-the-job kind of thing. You've got to make the time, read the Bible, spend time alone, and meditate on a little bit at a time. Some helpful hints here. We've got to set aside the time to focus the mind on God. We've got to set aside the time. To focus the mind on God. Not anybody else. Not the pastor. Not the Bible talk leader. Not the partner down the road. Focus the mind on God. And we must see the importance is, is for every one of us. Beginners, young Christians, experts alike. We all have, uh, we all have to make some time of in, 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 in each of our days. For formal meditation in our relationship with God. You may ask yourself, is there a proper time for meditation? Oh boy, not really. Choose a quiet time to start. You with me? Choose a quiet time. Not quiet time, quiet time. Have a quiet time where there's no distraction. If it's dark, if it, if you could watch the bush and not study the traffic, so that you kind of get distractions out of the way. You with me? You know, as and 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 as you 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 learn to meditate. It's possible that you would learn to practice meditation at any time under almost every circumstance because you'll be training your mind to, to, to separate from everything else and focus on God himself. Are you with me right here? You know, 
a mind that is harassed. You know, sometimes you're coming from work and your mind harassed or something happened and you think on you, whatever. A mind that is harassed and fragmented by external affairs and, and, and everything else going on around you is hardly prepared for meditation. And it's important to have a sense of balance in your life. You can't be going, 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 going. I mean, and I'm, I'm guilty of that personally. I'm, I'm learning a lot as I'm teaching a lot here. You know, it's important to have a sense of balance in your life. You got to have an ability to be at peace through the activities of the day. <laughs> That's deep stuff. You got to have an ability to have some peace through the activities of the day. An ability to, to rest. An ability to take time uh, to enjoy beauty. You know, I, I remember a couple mornings ago, you know, I went to wake up my daughter. And, you know, I was just sitting in a room and, you know, you, you, you don't realize how many things you, you, you miss. You know, I was, I was just looking at her desk and, and the walls around it. And I, I saw she had a big E on her, her desk with Lego. And I was looking at, um, she had these little uh, cartoon character things that she, she, she drew. And she stuck them all on, on, on the drawers in, 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 in her bedroom. And I was like, well, this girl just has so much creativity. And each of them is two people uh, talking to each other or relating or doing something. And she drew those things. And, and you know, it, I, I just learned about so many special things about her and you know sometimes you need to take time to to observe <laughs> and 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 take time to watch what's right around you and 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 spend that time and pace yourself and we need to do the same thing so that we can embrace time to spend with god you know there are a couple forms of meditation that i will share with you today um First is meditation upon scripture. And this is the, the central reference point by which all other forms of meditation are kept in proper perspective. You know, whereas the study of scripture centers on exegesis, meditation of scripture centers on internalizing and personalizing the passage. Are you with me right here? In meditation... This is not the time for a technical study or analysis or even the gathering of material to share with other people. We got to set aside all the tendencies toward uh, arrogance and, and with a humble heart receive the word of God that is being addressed to you right in front of you. You know, and, and something useful to do and something that the author encourages of, in, in one of the books, he said, you know, um, kneeling down. During periods of meditation is especially appropriate for this kind of time. And you know, there's something about getting down on your knees. Getting down on your knees to meditate, I mean, it, 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 it focuses you. It, because there's, there's, there's something going on here. You have to focus. You can't be studying all kinds of other things when you kneel down. It really helps. You should try it. All right? So, so, so that first form of meditation is, 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 is meditating upon scripture and the second that i want to share is um uh, a form of meditation that that uh is is all the way from the the middle ages and it's called recollection and what the author describes is you know inwardly you you may pray you may say um lord i as 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 i as i reflect i recollect so Lord, I, I, I give to you my anger 
toward Nino. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not angry with Nino. I'm just saying an example. So, Lord, I, I give to you my anger toward Nino. I, I release my fear of my dental appointment this morning, right? Or I surrender my anxiety over not having money to pay the bills this month, right? I, I release my frustration over um, trying to get a babysitter for the night, right? Um, you know, whatever it is that is weighing on your mind or is concerned to you, you just say, you know what, palms down. And maybe physically you'd actually put your palms down and release it. And release it. You spend that time really giving over and verbalizing the things that you want to give over to God. You know, we must not be discouraged in meditation. If, if in the beginning of your, 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 your seeking out to, to, to learn to meditate, that it has little meaning to you at the start. You know, there is a progression in the spiritual life. And it is wise to have some experience with lesser peaks before trying to tackle the Mount Everest of the soul. Are you with me right here? So be patient with yourself. You are learning a discipline for which you have received no training. And our culture does not encourage you to develop these skills. You'll be going against the tide. But take heart. Your task is of immense worth. You know, today we've, we've only been able to, 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 to cover um, meditation. And hopefully next week I'll spend some time in the discipline of study and maybe one other. As we embrace God's vehicles to, you know, building that communion with him. That drawing nearer to him so that we can and can can eat with him so that he will be part of our lives so that we will embrace the depth in our relationship with God that we seek to have or have sought to have all our lives. I pray that you have been inspired and you have learned as I have been learning and I look forward to getting together with everyone next week. Amen. Happy Father's Day guys. Everyone have a great one. Bye.